It's your boy, Danny Nassi. Welcome to the podcast. What's going on, guys? It's your boy, Danny Nassi. Welcome to the podcast. I'm here with my main man, Carl. I'm going to let him introduce himself in just a minute, but I'm pumped. I'm amped. I'm fucking hyped up right now. Uh, this is my boy. He came from the city of brotherly love, Philly, especially to be here. I was lucky enough to be on his show uh, just about two weeks ago, and the feedback was just tremendous. People were loving the energy between the both of us because we're cut from the same cloth. And uh, I've been dying and salivating about getting this interview done because I can't wait till you guys hear this guy's story. He's really, you know, he went from zero to hero, and he was able to really create a tremendous amount of success. And uh, he just has a really good story. He's got a really good heart. And uh, Carl, why don't you introduce yourself, bud? A.K.A. Credit Carl, Carl Scaramuz. They don't even try to mess with that name, bro. <laughs> Scaramuzza, yeah, from the city of brotherly love. I own a company, Credit Blueprint, Credit Repair. I've been in the credit world for 20 years, dude. So I've seen it all, the good, the bad, the ugly. I've helped clients with 400 scores and got them 650 scores. They bought their first house. I've helped clients with 650 scores. I got them 800 scores. And then they were able to get business funding. So that's what we do. That's what I do. I help people get the best possible credit, and then leverage it to get really rich to go after that FU money. That's my thing, man. I love it. You know what? Before we jump in, I just want to give my listeners and subscribers uh, kind of an idea of what's going on in here. Who do you have here with you? Credit Raquel, my head of business development. Yeah. How did you meet Credit Raquel? Oh, who? how did we meet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her boyfriend, Mike, good friend of mine, is heckling me. He said, you got you to gotta have Raquel. She's going to blow your business up. I was like, uh -huh, uh -huh. I remember I was in Miami at the time. Uh -huh. So she kept calling. And finally, I got her on the phone. So it's a good story how I hired her. Man, this might kill my vibe when I'm interviewing people. This is, this is a good story. So there's a guy out there called Chet Holmes. Mm -hmm. Wrote a book called The Ultimate Sales Machine. Mm -hmm. And Chet Holmes used to say, you want to hire stars? Say that you're looking for stars. And then when they come in, regardless of how great they are on the phone or how great they are in person, right? Whatever they say, you go... This ain't for you, man. Thanks anyway. You got to convince them. I've told so many people that on the phone. I told so many people that in person. Only one person ever passed that test. Raquel. So I told, first I told her on the phone, I go, look, man, this ain't for you. Whatever you're going to do, you're going to be great. She goes, I disagree. She starts pushing me. You know, I poked her. She poked me back. So I said, why don't you come in and meet the team? So she comes in and meets the team. She does the interview. And I remember my wife sitting in the interview and my wife is, she's kind of shy. And I did it a second time. I said, Raquel, you're going to be a star one day. I said, but this job's not for you. I said, it's just not for you. I said, so I, thank you for your time. Thank you for coming in. So my wife's sitting a foot away from me and she's gone. Like she's swallowing her tongue because it was so tense in there. You could like cut the. Now, what is Raquel doing at this point when you're telling I her this job isn't for you? What like, did her face look like? What but you, you know what how like doing? if you're with a tough guy or someone that's good at sales, like you poke them like. The real person comes out. Yeah. So that's what happened with Raquel. I started poking her and she was like, I, I disagree. Like, I think I can slaughter this. So I can she was kill unleashing the beast. Yeah, she's like, no, I can kill this job. I know I can do this job. And, uh, and I was like, okay, so let me think about it again. Like, I'm, I really got to convince her because I want to see if she's going to follow up, right? <laughs> yeah. Even though in my mind, I'm going, I, I think she really can kill this job. Yeah. So she walks out and my wife goes, can you please never do that again? Like, it's so embarrassing <laughs> that you're making the person feel that uncomfortable. I go, yeah, but I only... Here's why. I will only settle for stars. You're not coming into my operation unless you're a star. I won't settle for anything less. I did in the past and I won't. So she goes out to her car 
Raquel, after it's, I tell her a second time, she comes walking back in. I have more references for you. You should call all these people. And that's it, man. So she's the only person out of all the people I've ever interviewed the last eight years that's ever passed that test. That's Told amazing. her no twice. That's amazing. You know what? It's great to have a woman in power and it's great to have somebody that's a star that wants to come in, get their knuckles bloody, get their knees scraped, mm-hmm. and get ready to work. That's great. I'm happy for you. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about what you were doing before you got into the credit business. Talk to me about when it, you know how you grew up, where you grew up. Yep. Let's get into that. We want to go like really deep? I want to go really fucking deep. Oh, man. I come from a lower middle class family. My mom left. My mom left when I was 10, 11 years old. Um, and I remember she came to me with a decision. And uh, I talked about this in a lot of my speeches. And at 10 or 11 years old, she was leaving my dad. And uh, she pulled me and my two younger brothers in a room. She said, I'm leaving your dad. I don't love him. And you guys got to choose, me or your dad. You're kidding. Yeah. So I remember, like, I'm the older brother. Wait, slow down. Yep. What did that do to you? Like, how were you feeling when you were going through that? (sighs) Honestly, do you remember? It felt like a lot of pressure. And actually, when I finally came up with the answer, because I had some time to think about it, I remember feeling like, I actually have tell her who I'm staying with. Like there was, I felt like a lot of pressure to go in and deliver the answer to yeah, her. But I can imagine that's also like an enormous amount of guilt that you have to carry to choose mm-hmm. between one parent and the other, let alone the fact that you just realize your parents' relationship yeah. is no longer there's, there's, there's exist. The first fucking thing that's happening, right, is uh, my parents are breaking up. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's, and now you're that's telling heavy me, enough itself. That's heavy right there for the first 10 years of my life. And now you're telling me I only get to see one of you? Like, you know, I was just kind of like really taken back. So... You know, it's funny. When I retell the story, you'll hear anger in my voice. Like fucking pissed off that my mom asked that question. It pisses me off. But when I was 10, I was scared shitless. Like I was scared kid at 10 because I wasn't going to see one of my parents. And I remember I took a little bit of time. And were your brothers older? They were younger, right? Two Two little dudes following me around. Whatever I did, they said. So I knew that. Even at 10, I knew whatever I did. My two younger brothers. Were so you had to, you had no choice but to me. stay strong for them. Also on the same it was note, on me, right? Wow, what a, that's crazy. That's that must have been so right. overwhelming for you. Crazy. I mean, so I remember going back in, going, "Mom, like, I'm, I'm going to live with Dad. I'm going to live with Dad." And and like emotionless, Danny. She went. I remember she she always takes this stance. Well, that's your decision, Carl, and uh, that's fine. Emotionless, like almost like me and my brothers talk about it, like almost like. She was happy. Like she wanted to be alone and kind of go off on her own. Mm -hmm. And that was it. We embarked on a new journey without her. My two brothers followed me and we went and lived with my dad. And uh, we started a new life. So at the time, right, my dad was in love with my mom. So he was crushed, like absolutely crushed. Like you ever had someone tell you they don't love you? Yeah. Like the dude was emotionally destroyed. Why did she leave? What was her reason? Do you know? Bat shit crazy, I think. I mean, she's one of 13. I don't have a relationship with her right now. So she said she didn't love him anymore and she wanted something else. And you know what's fucked up about it? Never got remarried, never really dated anyone. She's by herself, single. So I don't know. I don't know why she left, man. I, yeah. I, I don't know. All right. So makes you, me angry talking about it. All right. You well, know? Let's move on. You embark on a new life. Mm-hmm. You're living with your dad. Mm-hmm. You're with your two brothers. Yep. What happens next? Well, then my dad's just a panic dude. First of all, he's a five foot five Italian guy. He'll cut you. <laughs> slice you. I mean, you know, we've been on Atlantic City boardwalk before. Yeah. Two guys pulled up with us, knives, and he was going to fight them. So, yeah. right, it's my dad, five foot six Italian guy, me and my two younger brothers when we're, you know, 10, eight, and he's going to fight. That's the type of guy that you're dealing with. By the way, before we go any further, I just want you guys to know, 
Carl is in here. He's wearing a fucking beautiful three-piece <laughs> suit. He's got a really nice handkerchief. He's got a hat on that says 800 Club. And I'll tell you what, if you see him on social media, we're going to plug him later. He usually also wears a hat that says, fuck you, money. <laughs> so we'll talk about that a little bit later also. But the guy looks very elegant. He's very chic. He's wearing a custom suit. Raquel is looking like a very powerful young woman. She's got eyeglasses on. She's wearing a button down. It's buttoned all the way up to her neck. She has a long skirt. She's wearing heels. She looks like she's ready to do deals at any time of the day. And don't forget, we always have our favorite OG of all OGs, Lee of Jambox Entertainment Studios, just kicking it and just listening and handling the engineers and taking command. All right, mm-hmm. let's go. What yeah, else? Yeah, yeah. So he was, my dad was emotionally panicked on a day-to-day basis. So like he leaned on me a lot. You know, it was one of those situations where he was like, he used to say all this, still, still to this day, he calls me Junior, right? And he used to go, Junior. Handle it. Handle what? Make sure your brothers get on the bus. Make sure your brothers don't get beat up. Make sure they got food. Make sure they're doing your homework. Because he was just destroyed. For for 10 or 15 years of his life, everything, I learned this from him, like his emotions would go from zero to 100. He was hijacked, you know? So he put a lot of pressure on me. So how much resentment did you have for that? Because that's a like for me, if if I was in that position, yeah. I feel like I would feel a lot of resentment because I feel like that wouldn't that, that's not necessarily my responsibility. Yeah. You know, you're my father, that's also your responsibility. I understand you're going through a hard time, but I'm also a kid that needs love, that needs affection, that needs, you know, validation and needs your time also. And not mm-hmm. just, you know, someone who's gonna come here and act as your, you know, right arm because mom's not here anymore. You know what I'm saying? That's the reason I'm af- I'm able to go after F you money is because my dad would have slapped the shit out of me when I was 10 years old. So that little line right there, I'll say it again, junior, handle it, which means I, I became very resourceful. I, had, I, I knew how to figure shit out. Like I just figured shit out because I didn't want to have to deal with him. If I didn't handle stuff with my brother and something escalated, then I had to go talk to my dad and he'd slap the shit out of me. So, basically, so instead of getting the shit slapped out of me. Basically, you're under the gun and now mm-hmm. your gift is... You know how to fucking problem solve. I know how to solve problems. I know how to solve problems. I know how to. I know how to handle risk. Later in the business, that confidence that he instilled in me at a young age to just handle shit, right? That actually helps me uh, handle risk in my business. As I'm growing my business, I'm able to take risks. Some of the things I do, I go, where did I get that from? I go back to that that little part of my youth that he instilled confidence in me. So what did you end up doing? Like you're, you're growing up, like mm-hmm. what was it like growing up in your house? Like you said you were yep. middle class or lower middle class? Lower middle class. Right, so you're lower middle class, yeah. like. You know, I did, a, I did a video where I wanted to take people back to the house that I grew up in yeah. and it's a twin. So there's two houses sitting next to each other and I remember doing this video from the city of brotherly love and here's the house I grew up with. My buddies goes, you don't look that poor, man. I go, asshole, that was a twin. Like it was, it was a horrible inside. I mean, we were we were poor, man. We really were. You're like, we it's half a house, dude. It's it, not it, a whole house. That's only one half is my house. Right? <laughs> so what did you so, end up doing before you got into credit? Let's move yeah, on to that. Yeah, so, so from there, right, I kind of had that poor dad, rich uncle, all right? So 18 years old, I'm like, man, there's something bigger out here for me. You know, something better out there. So you had a burning desire inside of you. I like, had this desire. You had this knowing. Yeah. That like, look, I know I'm going to be successful. I don't know what the fuck that is just yet, but I, I know I'm meant to do bigger things. Like, describe it for I you. I can't say other. that I knew I was going to be successful. I just knew there was something better than the way I was living. And that was my uncle. My uncle was rich. Um, my aunt and uncle in Philadelphia, my aunt's a, a realtor. He's a construction guy. But my aunt owned a lot of real estate, a lot of units. They had a lot of money. 
And at the time, I thought it was FU money. And they, they took me in when I was 18 years old. I moved in with them. My uncle had the Movado, the black Movado and the Lexus all. They were going out to dinner three, four nights a week. Like, we were living the life, and I was there. And we were going, they were going on vacation. They were going to Florida every other weekend. And you're living with them? And you're, I'm living with them. part of 18, that now? 18, 19 years old. They, like, pretty much adopted me. Wow. And they showed me the good life. And I remember, Do they like, have kids or no? They have one daughter. Yeah, okay. they have one daughter, yeah. So... They showed me like what it was like to live that way, and I, w- I wanted more of it, man. I didn't know how I was going to get it. Like My aunt didn't give me the blueprint on how she had all these units and all this residual income, but I go, man, that this is – I saw it. Like, but, but tell me this. Mm-hmm. like, How did it make you feel going from like a lower middle-class family – you know, not obviously not being able to get what you wanted when you wanted, yep, yep. you know, having this hunger, having this desire and then going into your uncle and aunt's home, yeah. you know, they're affluent. Yep. They're treating you like almost as if like you don't deserve it because you're like, holy cow, what did I do to deserve all this? You know, the nice house to be nah, part of this fuck family. Fuck that, Danny. I fit right in, dude. You know, it's funny. My wife will say this to <laughs> me. That's what I'm trying great. to say. Oh, like, what, what did you feel when you no. moved in? Like, every it. single time we go to a nice hotel, we'll go to a, like the nicest hotel in Miami and from the time, even now, 15 years ago, if I got in the hotel, I started walking around. I was acting different. My chest was up. You know, I always felt like I belonged. They taught me that real quick that I'd go. We were going to the Four Seasons in Philadelphia. We are having $500 dinners, a couple hundred dollar bottle of wines. And I was just like, I felt like I belonged from the time that I moved into that house. So I never felt like I wasn't worthy. Right? So many people in life don't feel like they're worthy, right. you know? And I did right away. And still to this day, my wife goes, why are you acting different? We're at a five-star hotel in, you know, Costa Rica. I go, I, I don't know. I can't identify it. I just feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. Right. It just feels normal. Well, what happened with your brothers? Why were you there and where were your brothers when you oh, moved Oh, man, in? they still don't forget. My brother actually drove me to New York. He, he drives me a couple days a week. Okay. I'm sitting in the back. He's driving me. Um, I don't know, man. I, they, they were always jealous. They always felt like I got more attention and my grandfather paid attention to me and my uncle paid attention, but I don't know, man. They just, they didn't, they didn't want it. They didn't want it as bad as I did. Right. They, I think there was more turmoil with them where they just wanted like stability. Yeah. Like there was so much stress in our house growing up. I feel like when they finally got to become adults, it was like, man, I don't want any more pressure, any more risks. Like I just, I want a normal life because that was too that was too much shit for me to handle. Yeah. For me, I was in the I was in the thick of it, man. So all right, so let's get into mm-hmm. when you started working. Yep. Mm-hmm. I um I get a basketball scholarship, right to some dumb dumb community college. I almost flunk out of high school, like dumb as a bag of rocks, right? No, but I'm really not paying attention. That's not true at all, Danny. Yeah. I'm just not paying attention in school. Doesn't interest me. I did terrible in high school. Horrible. I think I got seven something on my SATs. Like <laughs> me too. Okay, all right. You know what I'm saying? Like not. We just dude. gave each other five for being right? stupid. You're really dumb. <laughs> Obviously, you know you don't have to be smart to make money. Right, right. There's the point. Um, so yeah, I, I almost flunk out of high school and end up getting like a basketball scholarship to a junior college. Everyone at this junior college should be division one, with the exception of me. I'm not a division one basketball player. I could have played somewhere division two, maybe division one, but everyone there is division one, big time ball players, just really not smart. So I end up blowing my knee out my freshman year. And one of my buddies is in the mortgage business. He goes, man, you got to come in the mortgage business. I'm 19 years old. He goes, two, there's a two-week training class. Come up there. We'll t- tell you how to sell mortgages. I, I, honestly, I go, dude, 
I don't even know how to spell mortgage. I don't even know what a mortgage is because it doesn't matter. I know you know how to talk to people. You'll do it. Two weeks later, crash training course. I'm selling mortgages. And then we had a nice run from 98 to 2008. When there was some good refi years in there, I made a lot of good money in uh, in the mortgage business in 2008 uh, from 98 to 2008. Okay. So you want to hear about how I got out of the mortgage business? Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's interesting. I think it's interesting, although when I tell the story, I, I, some people care, some people don't, right? So 2008, shit hits the fan. And I go, like my income went from a couple hundred thousand to like 80,000. And a panic button was on in 08. And now, were, remember, you, were you upgrading your lifestyle as that money was coming in? And always, all of a sudden, the money always, was gone? Always upgrading my lifestyle. I just sat down with a mentor of me uh, who goes, Carl, listen, he's like 65 years old. God made a killing. He goes, the key is you, you got to keep your lifestyle the same. When your income goes up, you got to stay right here. That's the way you're going to get ahead. I go, well, I fucking hate that yeah. advice, but I know he's right. Um, so, I mean, I lost it once. You right. know, like I had a lot of money coming in. And mm-hmm. then the, just as you said, the 2008 came in. I basically lost everything because I had everything. been upgrading my life as I went up. Yep. And then it got to the point the money wasn't coming in. Was out. Lost a house, lost the cars, had to start yep. my whole fucking life over. Yep. It was crazy. crazy and I did right? that with a wife and two kids. So that was also humiliating just, you know, for me, for just my, myself, you know, right. at that time. But it was what it was. Tough, so, right? Yeah. So go ahead. So you're going from a two. So 2008, shit hits the fan. And um, I go, I got to get out. I'm like, mortgage business is dead. Rates are up. Like, we're in the middle of a recession. I got to get out of this business. So I end up leaving the mortgage business, and I do a little credit repair. And I'm in credit repair for three, four months. I go, get the fuck out of here. I don't credit repair. I go, excuse me. How did you stumble into credit repair? A friend of mine owned a business. A friend of mine owned a business. He goes, you'd be really good at credit repair. And if if you think about it, right, credit repair, credit restoration companies were born in that bubble in 08. Like there, you didn't hear credit repair companies in 2001, 2002. Yeah. The recession, when everyone went through a bunch of shit, that's what created the credit restoration, the credit repair companies. So I, I jump out, I start doing credit repair, and I'm like, this is awful. Like I was in the mortgage business working for a corporate America, publicly traded company. It was easy. So I go, I'm going back to the mortgage business. I don't care if it's bad or not. You know how the mortgage business is like, Danny, right? There's ups and there's downs. When I left, it was down. Three months later, my buddies are going, yo, dude, we're making money again. We're making $20,000 a month again. I'm like, fuck, I got to get back in the mortgage business, right? right? So I call my boss up. She goes, Carl, no problem. We'll take you back. You were one of our top producers in the mortgage industry. We'd love to have you back. She was just got to take a simple drug test. Simple drug test. No problem. Danny, never did a drug in my life. Never smoked pot, coke, nothing. I got to be in control. This is easy. So I go in to take the drug test. I can't fill the cup up. One of these cups like this where the line's like halfway, a big giant beer mug. I can't fill it up, right? So the girl goes, the nurse goes, why don't you just come back tomorrow? No problem. I'm driving in. I get a call from Human Resources of the company I was at for the last eight years that they suspect foul play because I couldn't fill that cup up. And I remember going, shit, man, what am I going to do? That's that's my whole livelihood, my whole adult life is working in the mortgage business for this company and they won't let me back in. So it forced my hand. I yeah. had to do, go into the credit repair business and learn that business and that's what I did. So you were just back in that position again, junior, take care of it. Yep, junior, handle it, right? Okay, I guess I got to handle it, right? Yeah. So that's what happened. So my buddy starts teaching me the business a little bit and um, yeah, well, we'll throw him under the bus, why not? Like one of these guys uh, in the credit repair space that 
was genius at building relationships. He'd have everyone drinking the Kool-Aid. He'd go talk to realtors and loan officers and every single person would be drinking the Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. Where he dropped the ball was actually fixing the credit. Right. You know, because if, if you get realtors and loan officers to send over credit challenge customers, if they build a pipeline and send 10 people over and no one comes back in six months, they're not going to send you any more clients. Exactly. That's it. You're done. So that's what he would do. He would just go build new relationships. Uh-huh. So I remember at the time I was going. Why wasn't he able to convert? Why wasn't he able to? He didn't care about that part of the business. It was such a cash cow. There was so much money coming in that all we cared about was the new. And the philosophy was this. I'll just go out and get 10 new mortgage bankers. Yeah. You know, and I was like, nah, man. Like, now why are we not keeping the relationships? And, and like, I have the same relationship. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like I his mentality was turn and burn, turn and burn, turn and burn. 100%. That's terrible. Yeah. Not a good. You not can't a build good a foundation look. doing turn yeah, and burn. Not a good look. So we'll fast forward a little bit into that. I end up getting a piece of his company, right? I own a piece of it. And then we have some equity partners that come in that buy a piece of that company. So at the time, right, let's go back. I don't know. We're going back 2010, nine years ago. I'm 30 years old. I just left the mortgage business. I get a piece of his company. So now I own my first company. We have equity partners that are coming that are dropping equity, money, capital into the business. I thought I opened the Willy Wonka fucking chocolate bar up in the gold. Like, I thought I hit the jackpot. Yeah. These guys are injecting capital. They think this is a multi-million dollar company. I got it. And we were a couple months into it. And my wife, by the way, my rider died, my right hand man. I call her that all the time. She goes, something fishy here. How long have you guys been together? (sighs) Since before that, yeah. How long have you been with your wife? 13 years. I literally just had my 13-year anniversary last night. Really? Been together 16 years. You guys have any kids? No. I have okay. two at my first, none with her. Okay. What do you so, have? What kind? Two daughters. Two daughters? Me too? Yeah, 12 two girls. And 15, yeah. Nice. Nine and 11 yep. over here. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they're angels. Yeah. They're really Aren't they the best? The want- 12 year old's getting weird. The 15 year old, I got a great, the 15 year old is, uh, you know, closer than she ever was in her life, which I thought 15, 16, 17, she'd get further away. Yeah. She's actually the closest she's ever That's been. That's beautiful, man. Mm-hmm. All right, so your wife says there's something fishy going on. She's your ride or die, oh, best man. friend in the world. She's the best. Love of your life. Mm-hmm. I have the same kind of relationship, so yep. I, I have a tremendous amount of respect. I know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So you listen. So she says something's fishy at the time. And I remember going, are you out of your mind? Like, these guys just injected a lot of money. I own 5% of a company. I almost flunked out of high school. I'm a mortgage guy, order taken for the last 10 years. Like, I think we should ride this ship right now. And she goes, Carl. You can do this on your own. Believe me when I fucking tell you, you can do it on your own. I love it. I said, okay. That's a real wife. Right? That's Balls. legit. And she didn't know, guess what? She didn't know the avalanche that was about to happen when I did leave. A fucking avalanche, okay? You know, what's going I feel like you're Dr. Phil. You got me over on the couch here. You're breaking me down. I'm, I'm talking about shit I never talked about before. No, but you know why, though? The reason why I want to do this, and I know you understand this, <laughs> that they're my listeners right now. There's someone out there right now. Mm-hmm. could be a male, female, yep. that's going through what you were going through mm-hmm. that might be at the brink of having to make a decision of either you know going the right way or going the wrong way. Yep. And they might be hopeless right now. They may not know what their purpose is. Mm-hmm. They, may, they may know that they have gifts. Yep. But hearing your story is going to give them an aha Inspire moment them, yeah. to be like, you know what? Carl... Carl did this. Carl didn't come from a good family. Carl, you know, had a really hard time. You know, Carl really wanted to be successful. And if he could do it, why can't I? And that's what this is about. And that's why you're Mm -hmm. here today, right? We want to get back. 100%. 100%. So she knows it. 
She's like, you got to leave. I think she's out of her mind. And I remember walking into the partners at the time going, I'm going to break away. Now, they had me for a non-compete, but I had all these relationships that I had built there. And I remember thinking, I'm going to walk away. It was this big argument. And I remember walking out the door going, man, I think I just walked away from something huge. The phone rings two days later. We'll get you out of your non-compete. We wish you the best of luck. Shit. Awesome, right? So I start my own company, man. I get a little uh, little skidole together, a little cheddar from a friend, yeah. and I start my company. And um, thinking, I got all these relationships that I took from the old company to the new company. And people were sending me business. They trust me. Yeah. Well, guess what? That didn't work out. You know, they go, look, you just started. How do I know you're even going to be here in six months? I'm going to send them to them. And when you're really established, we'll send it to you. So all these relationships I was fucking counting on didn't send me anything. Literally. Literally didn't send me anything. So now I started my company. I'm six six months in. The the income's not coming in. And you had to start from scratch. I had to start from scratch. Now you have to completely build all new relationships, all all new pipelines. All new relationships. All all new new foundation. Mm -hmm. Uh But the difference between you and everyone else was Mm -hmm. you knew how to make it happen for them. I knew how to handle it. I know how to I know how to make it happen though, but I lost everything, man. Like back then, I lost everything. I lost a house. Uh-huh. Think about this. A credit repair guy, six months in, I have to let the mortgage go. Yeah. So then all of a sudden the sheriff's knocking on my door. Think about that. I start a credit repair business. I'm helping others. Right. They're taking my house. I remember we were coming home from the office, me and Jenna. We had a CLK uh, 550. Yeah. I love that coupe. Love that car. You know right? what happened to you? You That's were, you were selling to your customers. You were selling from an empty wagon instead of yeah. selling the fucking wagons. A hundred percent. And you knew it. And yeah. that has to feel like shit. It doesn't feel good. It actually doesn't feel good. Actually, it really doesn't. It's when you're trying to sell that. You feel like a fraud. I feel like a fake. I really did feel like a fake. A hundred percent. Then you have to keep going because you have to build your fucking business. Because I know it's good. I got to build back. my business. Yeah, I had to like kind of <laughs> blank it out and just keep pushing forward, right? Because I knew there was something. I saw what we did before. Yeah. I was like, man, there's something there. I'm going to do it the right way. I'm going to really figure out how to fix credit and how to keep these long-term mortgage and realtor relationships. Right. Because you so, don't just fix credit. You also help pay people uh, increase their net worth. 100%. And we'll get into yeah. that. But go on with your story. Danny, man. that's why they call me. I can't me fucking the, take it, man. Danny, that's why they call amazing. me the godfather of net worth right there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Shout out to Philly. Shout out to Hank Norman. That's his, that's his name. Um. So, so the sheriff knocks on my door. I lose the house. The CLK 500, I remember we're just like, when are they going to repo? I, got, I had so much anxiety when I started my company that they were going to repo this car that I decided to do a voluntary repo. Drove it into the Mercedes dealership and handed them the keys. I remember, but like, you want to talk Worst about feeling. like a shit feeling in the world? Like, all I wanted to do was I get did a manager. It, I, did it, I did the same exact right? thing with an H2. Oh, man. I drove it into the lot, fucking threw them the keys. So, okay, well, there's a mistake I made. I looked for a manager. I remember it was, it was 60 minutes of pain. And I remember going, I'll can someone just take that. my fucking key so I give you my car? That's all I did. Sign all this paperwork. It was like super I didn't even walk into the dealership. Somebody came in. I'm like, here are the keys, and I left. Yeah, beat it, right. And it fucking killed me, man. Bad, man. It killed me. Yeah, man, that was, that was a lot. Even though it was you know? my business, that was a really, like... That was a low point for me in my life, losing everything. I feel like you have to have that low to come back even fucking stronger, right? 100%. So how the fuck did the business build then? So six months, you're fucking grinding. You're fucking terrified. You fucking feel this anxiety. You feel like you're going to lose everything. When did everything start to work out? Let me add one more thing that wasn't going right. See, here's the other thing, right? Here's what people don't know. This This is, pay attention, right? If you're thinking about leaving your corporate America job, right? And you you think you need to know every single fucking step. You got to have this business plan and everything's laid out. 
that's the, I don't believe in, in business plans and stuff like that. Matter of fact, I didn't really know how to fix people's credit. I'm going to say that again. When I started my company, I didn't really know how to fix people's credit. We just were kind of guessing. And we did stuff and the scores would drop 50 points. And then we go, okay, don't ever do that again. We check that <laughs> off the list. Right. right? So it was trial Holy and shit. error. We learned and we did a lot of refunds. If yeah. your scores went down, we'd say, here's your money back and uh, you know we'll take care of you for the next six months for free. Yeah. So um, that's what we did. It was a lot of trial I mean, and error. You were crossing the out. bridge when you get to it, basically. Exactly. I didn't need to know all the details. Yeah, but that's what makes you an entrepreneur, though, right? Right. A hundred percent. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just started doing the right thing. We started figuring out how to help people. And then all of a sudden, the referral started coming over. And the first part of the referral base for my business was customers that we helped out, not the mortgage business. Right. It was the customers. And then we started getting a little momentum. And then some of those mortgage people saw what I was doing. And then I had a nice run for six years of all relationships until social media came around. So talk to me about that. Social media, yeah. So I literally, the first six years of my business, Danny, I was hiding. Like you see this outgoing person, like we talk about working out in the morning and yeah. recording videos and prep. Everyone's like, oh, you're great at that. You're a natural. Fuck, I wasn't a natural. For the first six years of my business, I hid. Yeah. I, the curtains were drawn and, and I didn't want anyone to know what I was doing. I was embarrassed about my past. I was kind of embarrassed about my company the first six years. I really was, man. What, you know? what, what were you embarrassed about? What made you feel embarrassed? Like me personally, I was mm -hmm. very private before I got into social media. Like yeah. most people think I love it. And they're yep. like, you're so good in front of the camera. Like, you know, they love hearing me speak. And mm -hmm. obviously you're the same way. I mean, you know, my listeners, I want you to know that, you know, once we plug Carl's information later, mm -hmm. he's got over 40,000 people following on Instagram alone. Mm -hmm. He's got a show on Facebook. I mean, He's going to let you know about all those things, but this is a guy, you know, that really just shares his life, his soul, his business with everyone. So, you know, his whole life is behind the scenes when you really take a look at his social media. So you know exactly what he's doing from the moment he's getting up. What is he eating? Like, what is he doing to get himself motivated? What's going on at work? And you can really see how hard and how dedicated, how tenacious and relentless he is about fucking creating success. And I feel by looking at him now, like in the beginning, it was about the money, but I can tell now, you know, he's grown, his business yeah. is successful, that it's really about helping the people because right. you can see it How in his face. I, I wish you guys were here. Yeah. You, you're not here. You can't feel the energy or mm -hmm. see the look on his face, but the look on his face is a very determined, caring, empathetic look where, you know, I just want to fucking help people, mm -hmm. you know, create success for themselves because I feel like it's my responsibility to do that. Yep. I just want to slap someone around like my dad. <laughs> no, no, not God at all. Forbid. I want to have impact on a lot of people. Yeah. You know, I put it out there in 2018. I said, I want to have impact on 5 million people. I didn't come anywhere near that goal. And I put the same goal out there in 2019, man. Uh -huh. I want to find a way to have an impact on 5 million people. I have this vision in the morning when I wake up that I'm on stage and everybody's shaking my hand. Uh -huh. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank Like 5 million fucking thank yous. Right. I can see it. I can touch it. I can feel it. It's part of that visualization You're going to manifest process. it, man. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's a beautiful we'll thing. On. Where were we? We got cut off. No, it's okay. You know, it's just, <laughs> you know, you touched By a little way, bit. By the way, Danny's crying. <laughs> you know, you touched a, bit, a little bit earlier on, you know, your team member here, Raquel, and you said, look, mm -hmm. I, only, I only hire stars and I only want stars. Talk to me more about that. Like, what is it that you're looking for of the, these stars? Mm -hmm. What is it that you want to see in them yeah. that – 
make it the right fit for you to build your company yeah. and continue building success with it. Somebody who actually fucking cares for starters. I mean, you got to care about people, man. Right. That's, not something gonna, you, that's not something you could teach. Yeah, you can't teach that. You come in, you actually have to care about people. You got to care about their well-being. Mm -hmm. That's number one. But I really want people that want more. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I figured out through eight years of owning a business. It's going to sound bad. Turn it off if you don't want to listen. I can't be around average, man. I can't fucking be around average. I have to be around people that want more. If you are in my operation, I want you to want more. I got to put a comp plan together. There's got to be something where you want more. I cannot be around average people. How many people are in your business now? Like how not many people lot, work for not you? A lot. We got six people there. Yeah. Right. Six people is a yeah, lot. Six man. people is a good amount. It's a lot of mm -hmm. responsibility, right? How it's do you keep lot. these guys motivated and inspired? Obviously, they're self-motivated, mm -hmm. but I feel like you come in and give yeah. them that extra ump, that extra like that extra something mm -hmm. to keep them pumped every day like you yeah. are. What is it that you're doing for them? It's a good question. Well, you can see everything I'm doing on social, right? Yeah. So it's funny. One of the girls in my office goes, can you just run your quotes on that big screen every day because you motivate the shit out of me? I was like, wow, you're I didn't even know she was paying attention. I was like, cool. Yeah, we can do that. Um, so, you know, it's just about, it's about caring, right? You know, I want them to want more, but it's also about like, I, I really want them to see that I not only talk it, but I walk that game yeah. this is every single day. They see me on my story. They see me on social media. So they're watching what I'm doing. They know I ain't full of shit. Like everything's out there in the open right. for them to see how I'm doing it. Some of my victories, some of my losses. I see it all. What do you, you know? think makes you different than other people that are in your industry, like in your space? What do you think that you bring to the table that other competitors in your mm -hmm. business don't? Yeah, simple. It's so much fucking bigger than credit. Like that's the mistake that everyone makes. It, you know, credit is so much bigger than just buying your first house. Credit's so much bigger than renting or having a vehicle or, or, the person that wants to tell everyone how great their credit is. I used to say you wanted to get credit cocky. Those are the people in the in the neighborhoods in the four hundred thousand dollar houses, and they want to tell you, you know, oh, I got a an eight hundred two credit score. Cool, an eight hundred two credit score. First of all, congratulations because it's not easy to get an eight hundred two credit score. Number one, number two. Now, what the fuck are you going to do with it? Right? Yeah. It's a weapon. An eight hundred credit score is a weapon that you can use to get rich. All right. So credit is so much bigger. When that hit me, and I realized what everyone was doing wrong in this industry, they want to tell you all these tips, right? And they want to make it about your first house and then it stops there. Yeah. No, that's middle America. If you're using credit to buy your first house, you just stopped at middle America right there. You drew a all right, so there. let's talk about that because you have a mm -hmm. show. It's called OPM. Yep. You're huge on talking about other people's money. You're huge on talking about leverage. Mm -hmm. So what can these people do that you're helping them create mm -hmm. this net worth uh, and increase it? Like, yep. What is it that these people can do? Yeah. Like, Invest. Give me, give me some examples of like some, some success. Invest in high producing assets. Right. There's low producing assets and there's high producing assets. A low producing asset is a primary residence. OK, mm -hmm. there's nothing there. High producing assets. I'll give you my top three. Real estate. Number one. High producing asset. OK, if they can give you cash flow, that's a high producing asset. Number one, top of the list. Number two, a business, your business, most financial planners, right? Most finance guys, they're not going to tell you that your business is an asset. If they drew up a net worth thing and they said assets and liabilities, no one's going to include your business. But guess fucking what? If I own it, it's mine, and I can sell it for one times, three times, five times sales, I can put it in the asset column. So real estate, number one, your business, number two. Let's say you go, that's great, Credit Carl. 
Yo, credit Carl. Yo, credit Carl. I don't know shit about real estate. I don't know anything about business. Number three is yourself. You make the investment in yourself. You get around successful people like Danny Nassi or whoever. Get around success. Success leaves clues. Find out what that person knows. Whatever they know about real estate, if that's your game, go get those clues. If you want to get a business and get out of corporate America, get around that person. So it's, it's those are your top three high producing assets that you want to use other people's money to invest in. Now, notice I'm not saying something. I ain't talking about saving. I'm not talking about hoarding your money. I'm not talking about putting your money in the stock market or 401ks because guess what? Those, that's making an investment in someone else. That's buying into someone else's dream. And it could also go down to zero. Uh-huh. Right? I'd rather invest quickly. in myself. I'm betting on myself right now. Right. And that's why I like real estate and I like businesses. Well, you put your money mm -hmm. where your mouth is, yeah. right? That's interesting. Right? I love it. That's how you use OPM. That's how you grow your, grow your net worth. So are you really passionate about helping people now? Oh, my God, man. It's fun. You know, when you start to get into social media, mm -hmm. right? If you're if you're starting out in the social media game right now, you got a long fucking climb. Nobody cares for the longest time, Danny. Like there was there's times where I sit around and I go, does anyone give a fuck what I'm posting? Yeah. It really feels that way. So I've been in this social media thing for about two years where I'm pretty much showing you everything I do on a daily basis, yeah. behind the scenes, in front of the scenes. You you know how I feel, yeah. man. Like I'm not hiding it. And um it wasn't until recently where I'm starting to get the phone calls from people that are going, yo, credit Carl, yo, credit Carl, I've been following you for six months, man. I need to fix my credit. Yo, credit Carl, yo, credit Carl, yo, credit Carl, I've been following you for six months right now, man. Big fan. All my friends talk about you. You know, we share your quotes. You're such an inspiration. I need to get business funding. So it was like, that's a long time of putting stuff out there and nobody liking Nobody commenting, feeling like no one's paying attention. Yeah. And it would bother me for a minute, but I wouldn't stay long in it. It would just piss me off. Like, I know I got good stuff. I know if they're listening to me. And those same people are the ones that took all my tips for free and they bettered their credit, but they never liked, they never commented. Yeah. And then I get that one phone call. Yo, credit Carl. Yo, credit Carl. I'm ready to go, man. You know, so... Just keep going, man. Yeah, look, it's catching fire. I love that you put out content. I love the mm -hmm. tips that you're putting out there. More than anything, and I was telling you this earlier before mm -hmm. we started recording, I love the fact that, you know, you really spend time, you know, talking to people about, you know, what your morning looks like. You know, you work out pretty much every morning. Yep. And you're very consistent with it. And you talk about how, look, you know, this yeah, isn't yeah. something that I can do. I'm not a morning person. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm at war with myself mm -hmm. every day. And, like, some days are better than others. Yep. I don't have an alarm clock. I wake up naturally. And sometimes if my body body wants to wake up a little later than 435 and I wake up at seven like you did the other day, you sure. know, my body just needs it. But I have to have conversations with myself and get my body moving yep. to get myself, you know, to the point where I'm moving. So I, I, I just dig that about you because mm -hmm. I just felt like it was so honest and authentic. Yep. And you have a lot of players out there that, you mm -hmm. know, that look good, smell good. But at the end of the day, you know, they're no good and yep. you know, they're not being real. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's what I dig so much about you and the content and your personality and the way you're putting your life out that, there man. and your business out there. I'm a fucking... I'm I just watch her, man. I'm on your story. You might think I'm a stalker at this point, but <laughs> personally, I don't give a shit. I appreciate it, man. I do appreciate it. Yeah, the morning thing is like, you know, I just put this uh, uh, voiceover out on, a, uh, on Instagram, which is the most important conversation you have every day is with yourself. You know, and I, there's, I mean, I wake up in the morning sometimes and I got to listen to these people, you know, 
the typical person will go, well, they'll make an excuse for themselves and they'll go, well, you're a morning person. So it's easy for you to get up at five yeah. o'clock or, you know, you've been running for a long time. So it's easy for you to run. They have all these excuses as to why I'm doing something in my morning routine and they're not. Yeah. But they don't know, man, when I wake up in the morning, like it's this fight that I don't want. I don't want to get out of bed and do that shit. I just know that successful people that I've been around because I said it earlier. Success leaves clues, right? Been around success. Like they all have morning routines. (laughs) They're all up in the morning and they're controlling. I say it every morning. You got to control the beginning of your day to own your day. Control the first 30 or 60 minutes of your day to own your day. So true. That why when shit, when shit happens, like my dad, think about it. I learned that from my dad who was emotionally hijacked going back to the divorce. Yeah. He got in the car and someone cut him off and he would go from, He'd be singing the Beatles, here comes the sun. <laughs> Somebody cuts him off, he jumped out of the car, he's ready to fight him. From zero to 100. Yeah. He was emotionally hijacked. And I'm the same person, but I know that about myself. I know that I got to get in the morning to where, let me own this morning because if somebody cuts me off, I'm still whistling. Here comes the sun, right? Yeah. They didn't emotionally hijack me and I can still go on with my vision of helping 5 million people. Let right? me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. This is going to be one of my last questions because I don't want to take it too long. Uh, <clears throat> I ask everyone this question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you to imagine yourself. You're an old man. You're in your deathbed. You're dying. Mm-hmm. You have your wife there. You have your kids there. You have your grandchildren there. Mm-hmm. If there's any go- nuggets of golden information, any anything that's so important that you can leave them that can help them, uh, create success yep. or take what you've created and, you know, build more wealth off of it. Or it could have nothing to do with money. It could yeah. have nothing to do with success. What piece of advice would you leave for your wife, your kids, your grandchildren mm-hmm. uh, to live a fulfilled life? Yep. I'm supposed to answer that now? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, no, when you ask that question, um, I already visualized that moment. I know the moment. I'm 94 years old and everyone's there. My wife. My two daughters, Isabella and Tess, they're married. All my grandkids, these little bambinos running around, right? And everyone's there. We're 94 years old. And I'm in my, and I used this. I was doing a speech and I used it. Um, I said deathbed. Everyone says, oh, don't say deathbed. I go, okay, that's the end of the road. I'm 94. I'm laying in bed. It's the end of the road. Everyone's there. And there are some tears. Some people are crying. We're laughing. We're all gigging. We're holding hands. And I go, guys. Fucking did it, man. We I came from lower middle class. I had an impact on millions of people's lives. Okay. We got it. We got that F you money, that money that I I always knew was out there for me. I fucking got it. And I brought everyone along for the ride. You all came along for the climb. It wasn't about having that money in the bank. It was the climb, it was the experiences along the way. So I, I have that moment. And my wife gets emotional when I talk about it, but I don't, I want to have that moment and not have any regrets. I don't want to be in that moment and be like, fuck, I should have got more out of life. So what are you telling them? So I'm telling them, I'm just lead by example, do the same thing with their kids, right? I don't want to leave generational wealth to my kids. So they're brats. I want them to build their own businesses. I want them to have an impact on millions of people's lives. So that's what I'm telling them. Wow. I mean, there you guys have it, ladies and gentlemen. And, you know, let's just recap here real quick. You know, we're talking to Carl and, you know, I'm talking to you listeners right now. I'm talking to you that are subscribing, you guys that are listening, that DM me, that tell me that you love the show, that tell me, you you know, you love the content. And I want you guys to understand, you know, Carl obviously didn't have it easy. His mom asked him one day, 
what do you want to do? I'm leaving your father. Do you want to live with me or do you want to live with your dad? Uh, can you imagine being 10, 11 years old, being faced with that decision? And then moving into a house with your father, with your two brothers, starting a whole new life. Then being responsible for taking care of your two younger brothers and whatever your father needed. Then not really being motivated in school. And then working his way up to getting into mortgages and then learning the lessons that come with when an economy tanks. And then starting from scratch and building back up and never giving up and being relentless and working his ass off and being a fucking hustler. Look, people go through things in life. Everyone has challenges. Everyone has obstacles. But what you need to understand is you got to know why you want to be successful. You don't have to worry about the how because that's just going to work itself out. You know, I love talking to people like Carl because he's all heart. He's an emotional guy. He cares about people. He cares about his wife, his kids. You should see his eyes when he's talking about his daughters, when he just mentioned their names and how he feels about them and how he feels about how he wants the end of his life to turn out. He's got a vision. He wants to manifest those things. And that's what it takes. It takes knowing what you want and when you can take a burning desire and you can couple it up you know with uh, hard work there's no fucking stopping you and so i want to leave it at that carl where can my listeners find you why don't you plug all your social media outlets mm -hmm. right now yeah most of, most of the shit i'm doing is on instagram right credit.carl you can go on facebook it's credit blueprint credit coaching i do a sunday night show my sunday night shows on my facebook page opm the secret to real growth in your business. You can check out, you can uh, subscribe to my podcast. The podcast is The Power of Credit, How You Master Credit to Grow Your Net Worth. Uh, that's a pretty good show. I got to have you on uh, as a guest. You were on my OPM show. But most of it's Instagram, credit.carl. Shoot me a DM if you need help with your credit or you need other people's money, you need business funding, we do that as well. Yeah, you know, it's awesome. And I always tell all my clients, you know, people always ask me what I bring to the table and I tell them I bring the fucking table. And, <laughs> you know, you're coming to work with me, it's a one-stop shop. I have a mortgage broker, I have an attorney, I have a title company, and those guys rip people off on fees. And I've seen buyers yeah. get killed and I just don't let that happen. And then I have someone like Carl that can really help, you know, my first-time home buyers, for instance, or for example, that mm -hmm. really just don't have good credit. And I just yep. send them over to Carl, he helps them out, they get their credit up, I'm able to sell them a home and everyone's happy across the board. And the last thing I want to leave you guys with is I'm over here at Jambox Entertainment Studio located at 352 7th Avenue. My man Lee is the OG of all Gs. I could never imagine doing my podcast anywhere else but here. But the thing I love most about Lee and I want you guys to understand this, you know, New York City is getting incredibly gentrified. And, you know, there's not a lot of mama and papa shops out there. And the reason why I love Lee and what he's doing here is because he's been here for 20 years. He's married, he's got kids, grandkids. And, you know, he counts on people like us, people who want to do podcasts, people that want to lay down tracks and, and sing and do hip hop. And, you know, this is what takes care of his business. This is what takes care of his family. And this is something that he really loves to do. And he is New York. So if you're ever out there and you want to do something similar, I want you to reach out to Jampox Entertainment Studio. I want you to ask for Lee. He's going to treat you like family. You're going to feel like you know him for like 10 years. All right. You guys, thank you so much. I'll see you on the next episode. Raquel, thanks for coming. Lee, thanks for coming. And my man, Credit Carl, make sure you reach out. Thank you guys. Big fan. Thanks for having me, brother. Woo! Yeah!